The following is a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike LLC. Wiseman up the middle, inside the five. Look at Wiseman powering in for the touchdown. Mark Wiseman bulldozing his way in. Hey, you want to play fullback? Well, you better be able to block like that. Watch Cox takes on the linebacker, and then Wiseman's going to do the rest. Great play in the red zone, touchdown. And we've got a brand new ball game. 12-11 remaining in the fourth quarter in Iowa City. Mark Wiseman tying it up with his fifth rushing touchdown of the season. Hello, everyone. This is John Patchett, and welcome to the football show from Hawkeyes Mike. This podcast features former NFL and Iowa Hawkeyes star Marv Cook. Marv breaks down Iowa's come-from-behind home win over Michigan, and he previews the upcoming Black Friday game against the Nebraska Cornhuskers in the battle for the Heroes Trophy. This Hawkeyes Mike podcast is one in a series of our weekly shows, which include Brent Balbinad and Marv Cook, as well as sports reporters Scott Docterman of the Gazette, the Hawkeye Susan Dank, and Steve Batterson from the Quad City Times. Be sure to check out both of the reporters' notebook shows this week with Steve Batterson and Susan Dank. The Iowa-Michigan game highlights are courtesy of the Big Ten Network with announcers Kevin Kugler and Glenn Mason. We very much appreciate it and thank them. Hawkeyes Mike football programs come to you following every game during the entire season and are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer. One application lasts all day. Try the hand sanitizer used by the Iowa Hawkeyes and remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group in Coralville, Iowa. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. We welcome back Marv Cook for his weekly X's and O's show on Hawkeye's Mike. Marv breaks down Iowa's big home win over Michigan, and he previews regular season-ending game at Nebraska. Marv, your overall thoughts from senior day's win over Michigan. It was Iowa's first come-from-behind victory this year. Mistake-filled first half turned into redemption in the second half. Yeah, I'm still throwing out a little bit, too. I know the players are probably. It's uh, But but it's a win over Michigan. Say what you want about Michigan this year. And, you know, I, I saw them up close and personal, and I kind of really felt like we would be the better team, and I, and I thought we were. You know, even we were able to overcome a lot of mistakes in the first half and still, you know, be in a position to win that ball game. So, unfortunately, we're still in a position to lose the ball game late in the game as well. But but ultimately, it's a great win. You know, moves us one step closer to another great bowl game. And um, this team's accomplishing a lot of different things. You know, road wins, uh, consecutive wins in the Big Ten, and and now, you know, you get a great win and a comeback win against a you know a Michigan team. So just another stepping stone that this team's been able to accomplish. Third straight win over Michigan at Kinnick Stadium and 17 unanswered points. The Iowa team really owned Michigan in the second half. They really did. I mean, I thought, you know, we were able to just kind of line up and, and uh, I think they changed tempo a little bit and got into them, didn't allow them to substitute and really started leaning on them a little bit with the running game. And, and uh, you know, I thought, thought Rudek did a nice job throwing the ball in the wind with his, his win as it was and as difficult as it was at times I thought he did a nice job with some some pretty good timing routes. First time this season that Iowa loses the turnover battle and not by a close margin 
four to one, and yet wins the game. That's pretty hard to do when it's that big. It really, especially the way it started, you know, the, the naked boot coming out of the end zone, and uh, you know, a guy I had flashes of Ricky Stanzi when, when that thing hit, and fortunately for us, we were able to overcome it and, and come back and, and put it behind us, which is a testament to the offense and the team and, and uh, the staff as they moved it forward. How risky was that call, given the weather conditions and the field position at that time? It's, it's always risky. I mean, it's, you know, it's one of those pre-snaps, if you got an edge guy, if you got two edge guys rushing, the, the tackle can only block one, and it's a blind deal. And, um, you know, they, they did a nice job of, of doing it. We actually came back and ran it again later. It was in a similar situation, didn't have the same negative effect, but but I think we actually made it work one time as well. So, I mean, it, it's a, it's kind of a, I'm not saying it's a hit-miss thing. Obviously, you don't want plays that are hit-misses. You would try to minimize those opportunities, but obviously the first one was not the way we wanted it, but ultimately I think we executed it better late in the game. I don't know if you saw the video from that play. Fedorowicz was lined up on the right side, split out just a hair, and Ryan was the one who caused that problem when he blitzed. He was split out about maybe two yards or so to Fedorowicz's right, and it was clear he was going to be unblocked and come in there clean. Fedorowicz didn't even look at him. He went straight down the field. I don't know what pattern he was running because all you saw was Ryan smashing into yeah. Rudock. Is that a, a situation where the tight end should realize what was going on and ad lib a bit, try to pick that guy up? It, it's boot, so they're faking they're faking zone the other way. So he, technically he's supposed to step inside, and I, I think he had a guy inside shade on him as well. So it was one of those deals where you want to show zone, and if he steps out right away, that that'll probably one tell that guy that it's coming back, but but it'll protect the quarterback's blind side. But then the guy in the inside gap's not going to be blocked because the tackle's scooping hard inside, showing run. So now the inside tackle is the one that's going to be coming free on the quarterback, and they always want to leave the outside guy as the one that's free. Was the coldest game ever played at Kinnick? Kickoff wind chill was right about zero, maybe plus one or two. You ever play in a game that cold in college? Not in college. Not in, not in college. No. I mean, it was it was cold. And then then the worst part was just the wind. I mean, the, I mean, you, you throw those two elements together, the ball is like a rock. It's slick. It's I mean, it's not fun. How hard is it for a quarterback to grip a ball that cold? If you got big hands, it's easy, but it's easier. But it's it's not. It's tough. I mean, I'm not lying. It's the the ball is it's it's slick, and you, you don't you lose your. You know, the key is you got to keep your moisture. You got to keep moisture in your fingers. You almost want to have a wet towel in your in your muff, and so you can go in there and get some moisture on it or lick your fingers, because that's the only thing saving. That's the only thing that'll save you in that situation. Because like I said, the ball is just has no uh, tack to it whatsoever when it's cold like that. When you talk about the offense in that game, it kind of starts and stops with Rudock. Some of the play calling in the first half didn't help him. They did have the one good drive that ended in a touchdown with uh, a, a pass from Jake to Fedorowicz. But again, you saw an example of him, especially as a first-year starter, with an incredibly short memory. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah. the, the change from the first two periods to the last two, he was spectacular in the second half. Go out and try to, this Thanksgiving, go out and try to throw in this kind of weather. I mean, go, any ball and try to throw it with the wind or without the wind or a side wind, and it's difficult. I mean, it, it moves the ball. Uh, you think you make a great throw, and it can move it four, five, six, seven feet offline, and, and, and it's a difficult deal. And I, and I thought, you know, he's always had that demeanor to me that he never gets caught on the emotional roller coaster, and he's just going to play the next play and, and trust his, his training and his skills, and, and that's the great thing about the way he runs his offense. He finished with a pass efficiency rating in the second half in excess of 197. He did have several passes batted down. What was going on there? Is that 
is that an issue with the quarterback? Is it something maybe the D-line picked up in watching video? What, what happens? I mean, a lot of times, if, if you feel like you can't get to the quarterback, I mean, if you, I, I think Iowa's offensive line does a nice job with protection for the most part. And I, I think a lot of times when you when you get in that mode and you know Iowa's throwing the ball on time and you feel like you can't get him, the next thing to do with him is just stop, read his eyes, and try to jump up and bat the ball down. It's actually a pretty effective way, especially if you got a guy that, like, Jake's mobile, but he's not Devin Gardner, you know? So, I mean, if, if you keep him in the pocket and you, you know, force him to throw through windows, and then now you're creating extra windows with eight different arms up there with your defensive line, and it makes it, you know, the throwing lanes a little bit narrow down a little bit and, and can be effective, but I think that's kind of what you're saying. What do you do if you're the quarterback? Really, I don't know if there's a way that you can go against it. I mean, one thing you offensively you try to do is you just tell your offensive lineman once you see that, that you, now you got to be more aggressive with them, you know, so you can't let them separate from you, or if they do separate from them, then you got to go attack them again and, and punch them. You know, I, I say punch, I'm referring to the punch the linemen use when they when they pass that and they're, they're you know, they're double hitting them with their arms, extending their arms and getting their hands down. And if they want to jump and you, and you shove them like that, they'll end up on their back. So, yeah. When you were watching that game, it looked like Iowa's offense was pretty balanced and yet in the final analysis, uh, they ended up uh, with 239 yards passing, not that many yards rushing, but it was probably, it appeared at least, better use of the running backs as a group situationally than maybe they've been doing the past few games. Yeah, I mean, I, I really saw Wiseman coming on the short yardage stuff more. You know, you could really tell he was coming on third and short, second and short, and then Kanzeri and, and, and the other guys were coming in the other, other situations. And just being more, you know, situational, like you said, but ultimately then it gives them rest. You know, you don't, you're not giving the guy the ball five, six, seven straight times and letting him get wore out. You just get him off sideline, let him take a couple plays, and he's back in. 168 yards rushing. Several of those were absolutely critical. They were really big plays, especially in the second half. You saw Kanzeri come in and give him a spark again. And in terms of the passing game, you're beginning to see maybe some development of some of the players in the skill positions, the wide receivers. Tavon Smith made mm-hmm. that huge touchdown catch, 55 yards to start the second half, which really changed the whole tone of the game. And he made an interesting comment after the game. He said earlier in the season, he probably wouldn't have been able to make that play, but he thinks he's grown enough and understands the offense better and his role in it that he was able to do it in this game. Yeah, and he actually had a couple other routes that were big, uh, you know, deeper, multiple cuts, you know, it looked like a, a almost like a, a post uh, post corner type of thing, but then it ended up becoming like a 14-yard out route, which was basically a timing, an extended timing play off the play action, and they just pounded it in there on the corner and, and made a great play. Then he converted a third down that was big at one point, just on like a speed speed out. Uh, but he did show up big, and it's uh, defensively, when you got guys you're not expecting to be in the mix offensively with receptions, they're starting to make catches, you, you got problems. A lot of people will probably remember in terms of the passing game, the touchdown to Fedorowicz that began Iowa scoring and certainly the 55-yard TD pass to Smith, although that was more to do with yards running after the catch than it was how deep the ball was thrown. But the pass I remember it reminded me a little bit of you. It was on Iowa's last drive. Michigan had just used its third timeout. It was third and nine. Jake did the naked mm-hmm. uh, boot right and saw Fedorowicz just get enough separation and tossed it there and, and that was the end of the game. Yeah, and it almost to me it looked like it was a run all 
the way. I mean, I, I, I think it was one of those things where you don't throw it to him unless he's 100% wide open. And, and Jake kind of saw where he probably wouldn't get the edge. And Fedorowicz came open late and made the play. And it was obviously it was the difference because it you know didn't allow Michigan to get the ball back and have one more one more shot at it. You talked last week in the in our show leading up to this game that you were really going to be watching the play of the line who was winning the battle of the line of the scrimmage, even down to a couple of inches who was able to move who. Iowa's offensive line, in spite of Michigan blitzing apparently more than it has all season long, Iowa's offensive line pretty much dominated that game. I thought they did. I thought they were in complete control. Michigan did some good things with penetration, you know, slicing the nose guard in there and causing some problems sometimes. You know, Iowa, you know, I know they're they're checking a lot and, and they ran a lot of zone into the boundary, which they must have must have felt like they had the numbers and, and were flanked over there. And I saw a couple times they did get extended plays in there, but a lot of times, I mean, you just run out of real estate when you run into the boundary. But I thought up front they did a great job and I, I really felt like they would do that. And and, uh, and if you can run the ball effectively, you know, trust me, when you have third and two and you feel like you can run the ball and get the first down, you talk about it's a heck of a lot easier as a play caller. Defensively, while Iowa's offense struggled a bit in the first half, played well in the second, the defense played well the entire game. And I noticed at the end of the game, as uh, time expired, Kirk turned and gave a hug to Phil Parker. That was a great game plan and execution by Parker and in the defense on Saturday. Yeah, and, and it, it comes down to, you know, the law firm, uh, Louis Trick and Passat, I mean, and, and uh, the linebackers. And it's a great mix. Our front four, you know, I mean, it's, it's the biggest blue-collar group of guys in there, and they just they just compete and fight and scratch and claw and, and wreak havoc in there. And then you got these stud linebackers that just clean everything up, and it's a perfect combination. Trinka Passat, we've talked about this mm-hmm. before, he just looks like he has a nonstop motor yeah. out there. And then Carl Davis had a career day. Yeah, I mean, he, he came up huge. And uh, when, when, you, when those four guys can wreak havoc, you know, and, and, and they can cause pressure with, with the pass rush and just make the quarterbacks not feel comfortable, that's when Iowa defenses are really going to shine. And, and, and it, you know, I mean, it's a huge difference when you're covering guys for three seconds in the secondary versus four seconds. You know, and if the quarterback's got to throw the ball out in 2.8 or, you know, 3.1, you know, we, we, we can cover them up for that a period of time. It's when you get that extra half a second or second, that's when it's tough to cover those guys because they had some talented guys running around. Well, yeah, they've got terrific skill players. I mean, you think about Jeremy Gallon and Devin Funches. Mm-hmm. Iowa's defense defensive backfield, coupled with the play of the line, completely shut Funches down. There's the all-time career-leading pass receiver in Michigan history as a tight end. Yeah. And then Gallon's almost all-world. Funches ended up with two yards on one catch, and uh, Desmond King was outstanding, and Gallon only finished with six catches and 47 yards. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a supreme effort. You know, a lot of it, like I said, was probably weather-related. I mean, it's just wasn't, it's hard to describe how tough it is to throw the ball in that kind of element. And and uh, and that's what makes Iowa's performance in the passing game so special in my opinion. Uh, Michigan's offense seems to be struggling to find its identity, but Iowa's defense only surrendered 14 points. Both of those were in short fields. And one of the things that Iowa has struggled with the past couple of years is containing a dual threat mobile quarterback like Devin Gardner. They did a great job on him Saturday in spite of the fact he did stress the defensive ends a couple of times, but you know, you're not going to stop somebody like that for an entire game. Yeah, and the thing it's amazing to me is, you know, our defensive ends the way they play that zone read. You know, I mean, the, the, the quarterback's reading the end on the zone. We're not blocking them. And so what happens is that they, they flatten and they, they 
they pause and they hold and they make they, they make the quarterback decide what he's going to do and then when he's pulling they're in a position where he has to bounce a little bit and it's amazing to me to watch those guys close that edge off because if they if they come in an extra yard now he's downhill on the secondary now the linebacker's out of position but by being where he's at it forces the quarterback to bounce a little bit it buys the linebackers another extra half a second to recover and ends up it's a zero yard gain you know I mean it's it's a they're doing a phenomenal job with the zone read and, and it's I mean obviously it's coaching and drilling and, and it's the one of the most disciplined things a defensive end has to do because your instincts say chase you know your instincts say go get the ball but you have to sit and wait and read it out and they, they're doing a phenomenal job of that the uh, play of the linebackers again you mentioned it a few minutes ago we've talked about it all year all three of the senior linebackers really had an outstanding game they combined for 22 tackles and five tackles for loss and no play was bigger in the game than Hitchens near the end when he caused Gardner to fumble and recovered it inches from the sideline yeah I mean phenomenal I mean just you know it gets back to contesting every square inch of the field and never never giving up on a play and you know those are the kind of you know those are the kind of plays that define a season and and it's and it's the difference I mean here's the irony where we're at who knows if he doesn't make that play Michigan's driving they go down and score we lose the north I mean this this season's coming down to five moments you know the the clip of Northwestern you know this fumble caused by hitch I mean it's just that's how close and I mean football is it's amazing when you think about it and thank goodness our, our kids are finding ways to come out on the right side of this stuff after a quick break Marv goes in depth with his Nebraska preview third down Rudock's gonna keep it Rudock wants to throw for the first down he's got it from Dorowitz moves the chains and Iowa is gonna win it in Iowa City well there's a gutsy call and you know what better way to, to, to kind of seal the victory right here Jake Rudock C.J. Fedorowicz, the way that Rudock had the ball tucked under his hand, unless that was wide open, he was going to run it. And now the Hawkeyes will get into their favorite formation, the victory formation. How many things have you touched today? Hmm? Ooh, a puppy. (laughs) How many places have your hands been? Ooh, a keyboard. 24-hour hand sanitizer protection just makes sense. Prefins, a silica-based hand sanitizer protects your hands all day. Stays on, up to 10 washings, moisturizes, alcohol-free, and safe for the kids. So go ahead, touch anything and everything. Ew, a toilet! Prefins, keep your hands germ-free all day. Next, Marv Cook previews the Nebraska game, and he talks Hawkeyes in Bulls. Now Iowa's at 7-4, and 4-3 four, four and three in the Big Ten. They travel to Lincoln on Black Friday, short week, Thanksgiving, although I don't think that should matter that much at this point in the season, to play the last game they'll ever play in the Legends division because it goes away uh, after this year. Uh, it'll be senior day at Nebraska, 23 seniors. They'll have some of the same emotion that Iowa had, the Heroes game and trophies on the line. Probably a lot of on the line in terms of bowl slotting for the Big Ten in this game too. Yeah, and um, you know I'm I'm going to get my ego in check here, and 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 but it's not going to matter. I mean this 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 Iowa team is, is a hungry team right now. This Iowa team to me is a focused team. They know who they are. They know what they're going to do. And I think Nebraska is still searching. I think Nebraska is a lot to some extent like Michigan. Uh, you know, on paper they're talented. And I'm doing a little quotations there, so for the people listening in. But you know I don't know if they have the team concept down 
on the way that the Hawks do right now. So I, I, I just think Iowa's playing better football right now than Nebraska's. Nebraska's kind of an interesting team at this point in the season. They're having a strong November. They're 3-1 and one this month, but their three victories all involved fourth quarter come from behind wins over Northwestern, Michigan, and Penn State. They've won three of the last four games uh, after struggling earlier in the season, especially defensively, but the biggest thing for Nebraska right now is they've been really devastated offensively. Taylor Martinez, their starting senior quarterback, hasn't played for weeks and it's not going to play this Saturday or Friday. Um, their offensive line's been hurt. It's it's kind of like it was interesting listening to Bo Pelini in his press conference this week. It sounds like, you know, he's holding the entire offense together with band-aids, basically. Sounds like Hayden Fry, you know. <laughs> that's 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 Big Ten football. I mean, that, you know, I mean, everybody's got issues, you know. We've had some guys miss and have been nicked up and, and banged up, and, and that's just the way it is. And you, and sometimes you got to you go two or three deep in a position to get the guys ready, and it's still Nebraska. I mean, you know, like I said, i got to be careful with what I say because they're still Nebraska. They still get great athletes. Still, you know, big red nation and all that, and, and they'll still have a lot of red in that stadium and probably a, a packed house, and, uh, you know, it's going to be a great challenge. But, you know, I, I just think that, like I said, Iowa's style is too, is, is conducive to, to going in there and really getting on them. And, and I'm not sure where this team is mentally, to be honest with you. I mean, they, you know, with the exception of the Hail Mary at Northwestern, you know, it's just a fluke kind of deal. You know, I don't know how good they've been playing. You know, I don't think they so, you know, I'm, I'm excited about this thing. I, I, I love the idea of playing on Friday. I don't, I don't think Coach Ferentz likes the quick turnaround, but, you know, and I kind of get that as well, especially with the, the holiday. I mean, it's tough. I mean, these kids are away from home, and, and now you're spending your Thanksgiving day. You know, a lot of these kids is the first time away from home, and they're sitting there with their teammates having Thanksgiving turkey, but it's it's a lot different if your family's not here with you. So it is what it is, and, you know, they're going to, the, the good thing is, is they'll get used to spending holidays with their uh, with their teammates, because they'll have to do it over Christmas as well, because they'll be bowling somewhere nice. Iowa's lost five straight to the Huskers. Uh, hasn't beaten Nebraska and Lincoln since 1943. A lot of talk last year and even more this year. The Big Ten's locked this game in now for the foreseeable future is the season-ending rivalry between these two teams. But this isn't really going to be a rivalry until Iowa shows it can beat Nebraska. Yeah, and I, wow, that's that's an amazing statistic. I mean, that would be something I would have on the locker room door walking out to practice. But, uh, and I, you know, I'm sure these kids will be focused. And it's been a unique season from that standpoint. They've accomplished a lot of things and, and, and kind of got got things back on the tracks a little bit. Uh, and this will just be one more thing that they can add to their resume as, as they go out is, you know, we're that team that went into Lincoln and, and got a victory. It's likely going to be a defensive battle, probably a low-scoring game. Don't really know what the weather conditions are going to be like uh, out there on Friday. Overall, in terms of the stats, Iowa's defense ranks a bit higher than Nebraska's, but in, if you look at Iowa's defense going into this game, Nebraska's strength offensively is clearly its running game. They're third in the Big Ten. They average nearly 234 yards a game. They have a terrific running back in Amir Abdullah. Yeah, and this is where, you know, to be honest, they're a lot like Michigan. I mean, they're going to get the skilled guys. That I, I'm always amazed that although Nebraska's evolved their offense into a more, you know, more 20th century style offense, but they will always have the best receivers, best tight ends, and best running backs. Obviously, running backs in Nebraska makes sense, but it's always amazing to me the skill set that they're able to get there, and then you, then you mix the Nebraska kids in the offense, defensive line, and it makes for a good good setup. So, I mean, they're going to be very, very talented. Uh, you got to, you know, you, you have to play your assignment defense. I mean, if you take a wrong angle coming down on a, on a little bubble screen they have the athletes that can take it 60 yards for a touchdown so you got to stay disciplined you got to stay uh, you know continue to rally the football and and uh, you know be ready to to one match their intensity but then two just keep on them keep on them keep on them now they have two very good receivers Quincy Anunwa yeah. and Kenny Bell and in addition to Abdullah those three really are three 
nice skill players, but their problem right now is at quarterback. They've got, as we said, Martinez hasn't been able to play, won't be playing in this game. They have a quarterback. They've been alternating a bit, primarily uh, relying on a, a sophomore, Tommy Armstrong, but he's now questionable for this game. So there's a substantial possibility that a fifth-year walk-on senior named Ron Kellogg, who will be playing his last game in Memorial Stadium, might be the starting quarterback for Nebraska on Friday. Now that worries me. I mean, that's that's the kind of stuff that, oh my gosh, I mean, those are stories that you can't write. But but ultimately, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the one thing I like about Nebraska is they always have big, linear receivers, which is can be a mismatch problem. So it's going to be a big challenge for our corners and our safeties to match up to the size and, and the athleticism on the outside. And, and uh, you know, the other, the other key is we have to make them one-dimensional. we got to continue to stop the run and not let the running game be a factor and make them one-dimensional. Make this, you know, whatever quarterback's in the game, make him be the guy that tries to beat you because, you know, we know these other guys can't. Now, offensively, Iowa's uh, team showed a lot of resiliency this past Saturday. They, uh, overall in this season, have incredible balance. There's only 50 yards that separates uh, the offense in terms of passing and rushing season long, which seems hard to believe. Uh, the offensive line's looking pretty solid for Iowa. Uh, they had a better use of the running backs, as we talked to, about against the Wolverines. All those things are going to be critical this Friday. Yeah, and, and it's the biggest thing for me is I just think if you look at it for wh- how, what kind of momentum are you riding? You know, this is one of those, it's going to sound weird, but this is one of those games that if, if things start snowballing against you early, they'll probably have a tendency to continue to do so. I mean, it's not like you turn it around and, and get it going the other way in a hurry, unless you've been, a, you know, really sound fundamental team, which Iowa has. I mean, that's the beauty is, you know, Iowa, say what you want about them. They've all, you know, the big rap in the first seven, eight weeks was they're not a second half team. Well, we saw that last Saturday. I mean, in the, in the biggest of ways. So, you know, this is a team that to me that's really playing with a lot of confidence, a lot of composure. And, uh, you know, I, and it's that's what it takes in these types of games because there's going to be an ebb and flow. There's going to be, you know, bad things are going to happen. And the teams that handle the adversity and, and, and continue to just stick with the game plan and play well are going to be the, is going to be the team that wins. And I just I just love where Iowa is right now. You, you've heard it. When anytime a coach is sitting there saying, I'm not coaching for my job, he's coaching for his job. You know, there's some there's a reason he's making that comment. And uh, trust me, the players hear that. If there's one defender Iowa fans might want to look at Friday in this game, it's uh, their sophomore defensive end, Randy Gregory, who's supposed to be the next great thing for the black shirt defense. The Cornhuskers have 33 sacks. That's uh, second in the Big Ten. They've got 13 picks, which is fifth in conference play. But Iowa's only given up 10 sacks all year, which is first in the conference. And when you go to turnovers, which will be a really big uh, issue in this game, I suspect you say that in every game, too. I thought the most interesting stat when I looked through the entire stat pack is uh, in the turnover margin. And going into this game, Iowa is uh, has a minus two, which is unusual for a team that has a winning record, if you think about that. Uh, they're eighth in the Big Ten in that regard, but Nebraska on the season is minus nine, which is last in conference play. So you've got a, a, a bit of a tendency of Jake to throw more picks than he'd like, but yet you have a Nebraska team that has really been losing the turnover battle all year. That's surprising, especially with their record. I mean, they've, they've actually had a pretty good run of it with their with their record, so it tells you that they do have the ability to overcome some of those things we're talking about, but I'm assuming we're going to have similar weather, Not hopefully not near as bad, but, you know, the ball is going to be slick. The, you know, it's going to be, you know, probably breezy down there in Lincoln, and, uh, you know, it's not going to be the warmest day, so it's going to be a ball security thing. You know, the other element is too, and we, you know, we don't always address on it, but special teams. I mean, it, this is going to be probably a three or six or seven point game where extra points, field goals, watch the Denver Patriots game, a, a muff punt, you know, where the, the blocker doesn't see the ball and ends up getting hit, and now you lose 50 yards 
towards a field position. I mean, those types of things are probably going to be the types of things that can maybe have a big impact on this game. Yeah, and you probably aren't going to be able to get away with making four turnovers on the road, especially in a place like Lincoln. Yeah. So, so all right, here we are at the point. Last uh, regular season game where we do this is sure. Your matchups, your keys to the game, your prediction. You know, I, I just, I think the, the matchup is just program against program. You know, I, I think Iowa's program is, is back on track and back moving in a, in a, in a, in a train. And, it, and it's, it takes a while to get the train going, you know. But now it's on the tracks and it's moving and it's got some velocity. It's got some, some power behind it. And Nebraska, I think, is still searching and trying to find their way. And I just think that the, the, the fact that I think all – you know, 11 guys on the field offensively and defensively are on the same page, and it's going to be too much for Nebraska to overcome because I think the, I, was, I was playing right now with a lot of confidence, and, and they're doing what they need to be doing, and it's going to be the difference in the game. I mean, it's, and it's, you know, it's the ability to run the football, use multiple players, and then, and then pass effectively off of it and keep Nebraska defense off guard. And that's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like a broken record, but, I mean, anybody been watching Iowa football the last 10 years, I mean, that's what it is. And we talk about it. you got square peg guys and you're a square peg offense, you're going to have a good offense. you got round peg guys and you got square peg offense you're not going to have a good offense and right now I think we got the guys that, that fit this system. You're expecting a low scoring game? You know I, I think I think Iowa's going to be able to move the ball effectively and, and, and score points and, and so I'm, I'm thinking 31-6 to be honest with you. I think Iowa's going to have continued success offensively and continue to get better and build off the momentum of the second half of Michigan and, and really make a push to, to, to make a case to get into a January 1 bowl game. Did you ever have that feeling you were just born for greatness? With the three-point lead, Michigan facing a second and 12 at the Hawkeye 40-yard line. And Gardner on the draw with some running room. And Gardner going to be stopped at the 30-yard line. The ball is out. The ball came out, and it's Iowa football. Hitchens recovers, and the Hawkeyes get the turnover they've been looking for from Michigan. He jumped over the guy that was blocking. He got off a block. Not only he made the tackle, he stripped the ball. They couldn't come in a bigger time. Hawkeye's Mike Football Shows are brought to you in part by Prefence Hand Sanitizer, the revolutionary antimicrobial hand sanitizer that is alcohol-free and lasts all day with a single application. Try the hand sanitizer the Iowa Hawkeyes use. And remember, the best defense is Prefence. And by the Marsh Cook Investment Group, Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network in Coralville, Iowa. Call 319-512-6261 or toll-free 800-883-0842. Marsh Cook, for all your investment needs. Our thanks again to BTN for the game highlights this week, and as always, special thanks to Marv Cook. We hope you've enjoyed this Hawkeyes Mike podcast and that you'll come back for more. It's all Hawkeyes all the time on HawkeyesMike.com. One passion, many voices. Nice work, everyone. Sharp broadcast. Really good. Everyone on the floor as well. Really a lot of hustle. I liked it. This has been a presentation of Hawkeye's Mike, LLC.